to the Mark Twain Award for Don't you find flowers are boring? Do away with flowers. <laughs> of course, I suspect that the only people that are bored by politics are people who like Rex Reed are, and spend a lot of time hanging around the Museum of Modern Art in the afternoons. So would you please uh, bring it up there? Poor <laughs> sad fools. Life is out here, gang. It's out here. It's there. It's here. just as bears are hibernating creatures. <laughs> and what is political? Most people think political is, Hey, who is that bum that got in? No. Politics is the art of learning to live together. And if you're bored by that, friends, well, that's what politics is. Now, if you think that politics hasn't worked because we don't live together... That shows, once again, how stupid and foolish you can be. That's like, uh, that's like saying, uh, how come airplanes fall when the motor stops? After all, the airplane was designed to beat the law of gravity. How come it doesn't beat it? Well, inbuilt in man is the destructive note. And he will destroy at any given point <laughs> now, you can only measure you can only measure any society or civilization, which is even better than society, by how well it keeps down that quotient of destructibility. Now, it's never going to go away. If you think it's going to go away, you probably also believe in Frodo. Yes. Um, well, that one got away from you, and you're a, a literature major. That's Tolkien. You probably, well, you don't like him. Well, then you probably believe in Winnie the Pooh, if you prefer that. The point being here, that if you don't understand <laughs> that, that, that that destructive quotient is always present in any given situation, then you really don't understand man. And by the way, basically, you don't understand yourself. 
because if you try to pretend to me that you're not, there's not a destructive side to you, then I can only say you're either one dead or two you've been embalmed, and that uh, you just don't know you're dead. So uh, you know the point is uh, I love politics. I think I think the the average person, uh, of course, politics is like football. Uh, I don't know whether or not. Uh, the, the parallel you see is always very good because uh, people who are f- sport fans are always vaguely harassed not only harassed by the fact that their friends don't dig sports but they're harassed by the fact that they lose see is, uh, oh yes uh, have you have you talked to a disgruntled Met fan lately now he loves sports but he hates what's been happening so that doesn't mean you see the 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 true unsport fan then quits going to the games and he says well I don't want to go anymore they lose well then that means he does not understand sports because for every winner there is a loser and uh, if you went to the games and they didn't have losers you'd have nothing but ties which would ultimately, more than two weeks, no one would go anymore. But the, the point being here that, that politics is the most exciting of all of mankind's games. And it's not a game. It's a deadly reality. But it's also a game. You see, uh, all, all of uh, reality in our life is intermixed with, with games. So uh, but what is a game? Well, a game is a, uh, a divertissement. It's, uh, a game does not necessarily mean it's not serious. The word game should not mean to you not serious. Because we are also not only a politic creature, we're the only creature, by the way, that plays. Puppies do not play. No, they don't. You agree with that, all right? Uh, Animals do not play in the sense that man plays. Have you noticed that the cat cuckoos are getting really out of hand? All cat commercials today show cats as vaguely human beings who sing, who have not yet quite shaved. They're always singing, milk, 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 chow. <laughs> oh, God. A <laughs> hundred years from now, they're going to be playing those commercials in, in, uh, in the psychological and sociological and historical study classes as to what the hell happened to our society. Yeah, but uh, man has always tended to worship cats anyway. The Egyptians did it, and look what happened to them. But uh, <laughs> that's right, they're selling dirty postcards now. But uh, give or take, <laughs> that's about it, the national, the national job. But uh, give it or take uh, six or seven, you have, to, you have to accept the fact that man is basically a political creature. He is. What is political? Well, political means he's a structured creature. We, uh, we are among the most structured, as the ants are, of all of man's, or all, all the worlds, the, the, let's say the cosmos creatures that we know of. Uh, we, we, we instinctively build a structure. You put two human beings right from the very beginning of time together, and the first thing they do is build a structure, not a house, a structured society. One says, I will go out and get the, the elk, you will stay here and keep the fire going so it does not go out. There, you've got a structure right away. Now, the problem is somebody has to make the decision as to who's going to go get the elk and who's going to stay with the fire. If they both decide to go for the elk, no fire when they get back. And that can be disastrousville. On the other hand, if you're, 
if you uh, prefer to stay there by the fire because it's nice and warm, you don't want to go after the elk, and they both decide to stay by the fire. Forget it. They're going to starve. So ultimately, uh, man has to have a structure because he works together. The grizzly bear, by the way, does not need a structure because it's by nature a lone creature. So he's never felt the need to call all other grizzly bears together in an ad hoc committee to deal with the brown bears that are sneaking into the neighborhood. But uh, <laughs> the, the facts of the matter are, politics is the biggest game of all. And it excites people. Those who are bored by politics, I find generally, are people who generally have withdrawn from life itself a great deal. They're introverted. They generally are people who spend a lot of time going to movies. They generally are people who spend a lot of time reading novels written by other people about a life that never was. Uh, they're, they're, in a sense, the introverted, the one who wished to withdraw from mankind. And so they'll, they'll pretend that politics is boring. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a dance you haven't been invited to. This is an old technique, you know, when you weren't invited at a prom, you could walk around out in front and say, ah, who cares about the prom? It's a dull, stupid thing anyway. Ridiculous. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy, but uh, but politics is a, is a is a is a natural out. After all, history is politics. Can you imagine history with no politics? What would it be about? Well, that hill there moved a foot in the 12th century to the left, <laughs> and uh, you know it rained a lot in the in the latter part of the 13th century, and. Uh, but uh, the point being here that uh, the politics is as it's as endemic, or rather, it, let's put it this way: it's as it's as inbuilt in man as, uh, let's say, swimming is in the psyche of your average guppy. And he can conceive of a guppy who does not swim, who does hem stitching, and plays the guitar, but he continues to swim. Man can conceive of a non-political man, but he continues to politic. The minute a guy walks into the house, or a woman walks into the house and says, okay, let's get supper going, that's a political act. She's made a decision. The others fall into line, or they say no, at which point uh, they're then beginning to make the political decisions. But a grizzly bear does not ask another grizzly bear a damn thing. Now, how does he breed? Well, very quickly, very violently, and it's over. He does not hang around with the little woman and raise the cubs, either. He leaves. <laughs> so, there's your classical, non-political character. However, you'll also notice he's extremely dangerous. That the that the the price of being non-political is having very very long fangs and tremendous claws, and you have to be eight feet tall, and you have to be forty thousand miles from the nearest thirty thirty rifle. That's it. Now, why is man political? Well, he's political basically for self-defense, the same reason that all other creatures are. Uh, man has found from the very time he crawled out of the first uh, mud hole that uh, he just wasn't designed to operate on himself, on his own. Because he's too weak. 
physically too weak. We're a very weak creature, you know, compared to the Earth's other creatures. Not only are we weak, but we uh, we also tend to we tend to be uh, among the Earth creatures. We tend to be not particularly adaptable. Well, you think we are, but we're not as adaptable as others. Now, I'll give you an example of that. If you want an example of that, the uh, cat, for example, can be found almost in any one of uh, any of the uh, the great latitudes. And the cat can li- is is our, the rat is even a better example of that. The rat will eat wood. The rat needs to eat wood and live on it because he's uh, he's designed by nature to be omnivorous. Eat any damn thing that comes along. We are not. So we cannot, for starters, live in a place where we are not uh, the the diet, our narrow diet. It's a com- but we're not as narrow as many other creatures. Now, that has to be explained right away. We are also a creature that uh, is, uh, well, we're, we're not exactly omnivorous, but we're close to it. Man eats meat. Man also eats grain. Cows rarely eat meat. <laughs> they don't eat it at all. In other words, to be to be uh, to be limited to one kind of diet limits the range of a creature very drastically. This basically is why the dinosaur left us. But don't forget, he left us after a 60 million year period of very big success. We haven't been around that long, really. In other words, he had a pretty good run. And whatever comes after us, we'll look at our fossil remains and say, eh, pretty good run. And uh, whatever our flaw is, we don't know it uh, any more than the dinosaur knew what his flaw is. But the fact is that we are politic, and uh, and I love politics. Personally, every every four years when the presidential election comes on, I get very excited about it. I just love politics, and, uh, and to me, it's a very to, you know it's a fascinating thing to to watch. Uh, I suspect that if I had to do all over again, I would have loved to have been a politician. Would have loved to have been one. Uh, it was a very exciting life. And it's a life uh, right at the forefront of where it's all happening. And uh, it would have been very exciting. Now, if anyone says, I don't like politics, I can only say you basically, most of those people basically don't like people anyway. There's, there's a large number of people who just don't like people. Uh, and uh, if you like people, you have to like politics. Because politics is the ultimate expression of people's uh, dreams. By the way, most of all of political campaigning is symbolic. This is what confuses most people. They think it's real. By symbolic, I mean when a candidate, and you see these sad things, like the other day I saw Mondale get up and he says, we will put you all to work. Well, you know, that's not possible. <laughs> it simply isn't true. And and it can't conceivably be true. There's never been a society that way. So we secretly understand that. We understand it's symbolic. The people who don't are the people who will eventually always be disillusioned with everything that happens. And they say, well, how come it didn't happen? That's like, uh, you know, believing that the Wizard of Oz is going to literally put you in Oz. If you can enjoy Oz as a story... But don't take it seriously. Uh, and if, you, if, you, if a candidate says, we will put you all to work, don't take it seriously. If a candidate says, uh, we will all get together and move forward again 
and the way the old days, we will all march forward in unity. Don't take it seriously. If you do, I mean, you probably also believe in Cole Porter, uh, musicals, Judy Garland, and Rex Reed. So, <laughs> I mean, these these are these are all part, you know. And, and and if you can if you can learn to understand that life goes on at all times, pretty much the same for the individual, regardless of who gets in or who doesn't get in. Uh, that's a very important discovery. Now, people in Europe have understood this because they have gone through all kinds of dream worlds. Uh, you must understand that Hitler came in, by the way, mostly as a socialist. That may surprise you. And in, the, in addition to that, he came in with the promise he was going to cure all unemployment. Well, he did. I mean, you were either in the 423rd Panzer Grenadier Division, or you were making the tanks for the 423rd Panzer Grenadier Division. <laughs> but he cured the, the... Now, but the point being here that... that, uh, that uh, all countries put in everybody who gets in with a symbolic idealism. Uh, while we're on the subject of the, of the politics, if I say one more thing about that, that almost all political battles uh, all the world over uh, is really basically two kinds of people, uh, the dreamers versus the guy who keeps saying, yeah, but somebody's got to take the ashes out. And, and, and they just don't get together. Uh, so, and it keeps swinging back and forth, you see. First the dreamers are in the, in the saddle, then the let's take out the ashes guys are in the saddle. And it goes back and forth. Man is both sides. And uh, a classic example of the dreamer was Hitler. Hitler was a dreamer. He was dreaming of creating this fantastic society. And it was going to go for a thousand years. And, oh, it was going to be perfect. You know, the beautiful buildings. By the way, one of his great... Uh, his great uh, pitches to the people that time was to clear away slums. Maybe you don't know that, but that was one of his big things. And he had great dreams, and they went around the country and showed them all pictures of how the cities were going to be after, you know, the millennia had arrived. And so, you know, it's easy to, to, to get swept away on great uh, dreams. And then, of course, there was always one group of guys who kept saying, yeah, but who's going to, you know, wow, somebody's going to have to... And they kept saying, get out of here, you know. You're the anti-idealists is what they call them. So I think basically you find this going through all politics. The one who says, let's be beautiful again. And the other one who says, yeah, but being beautiful is going to require this and that, and who's going to do that, and this group here is going <laughs> to... So, so it goes back and forth. Uh, in every given party... I'm talking about a party, a New Year's Eve party or a cocktail party. There's a group of people who drink, eat, have a hell of a lot of good time, and then leave in a cab. And there's the other guy who keeps looking at all those cigar butts that have been thrown under the, under the, uh, under the rug, and somebody's going to have to clean the whole mess up in the morning. <laughs> well, of course, he's never popular if he brings that up during the party. Uh, but unfortunately... Uh, he's all alone when uh, the cabs have left and he has to start sweeping. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'd like to go on further. You don't hear much in this country, by the way, of, of, the, of the philosophies of politics. You only hear of specifics. And uh, even when you read, uh, you know, the, the, the pundits, 
Uh, most of them are really nothing more nor really less than uh, sophisticated gossip mongers. You know, what this guy said in this committee, what that guy said. But the idea of the political philosophy overlaying all of politics is rarely discussed. It's just, you know, hardly anybody discusses the air unless you find that you can't breathe it anymore. Then you start talking about it. But uh, and it's too late usually. But uh, in the case of politics, it's fascinating. Are, are you aware of some of the other things that Hitler ran on? Well, I'll tell you some of them. One of the things he ran on was he was concerned for the little man. At last, the little man should have a voice. And uh, yes, he did campaign on that. And that was a very... Because the government of Germany had become very bureaucratic. And he says, let's have this... Well, I have this little man as uh, you know, the little man at last is going to run it. And by the way, he also campaigned against big business. Maybe of some interest to you. So it, it, this is always uh, we're not relating it to any one or the other of the political parties here. But this argument is is always a valid argument, or at least it's an exciting argument in any society. And uh, so you know, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not. Uh, drawing any any parallels. I hope you understand that. I'm merely saying, though, that politics is politics. And that's not an, a, a non sequitur. It's a real statement. Uh, it's just like saying a radish is a radish. Don't expect it to be a grape. Uh, politics is politics. Now, what is politics? Well, politics is even found in the commercial world. So you, you hear a commercial, and say, they're saying to you, well, I mean, you know, those guys, those flim-flam guys that have been selling you that bad product, uh, you know, why don't you try this? Now, here, take, which one is softer? And uh, Mrs. Applerod of Chicago says, why, this is softer than mine. And uh, so it's it's the game of who is running, who's better, who's got the big, biggest idea, who's the most uh, altruistic. Uh, oh, by the way, another thing, uh, for your curious, another thing that Hitler ran on, anti-materialism. Was what was his great big pitch among the college students? He was against materialism, and he personally lived a very austere life to illustrate that. And uh, he was always being photographed wearing his later hosen, uh, his Bavarian costume in a simple country setting next to a lamb. Uh, yes, uh, that was all part of his uh, great <laughs> a lamb, a little child giving him uh, roses or something. All right, uh, you know, I, I, to, to, to sort of wind it up, uh, uh, I, did I ever tell you the story about the time I ran for president of senior class? Well, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, this is maybe perhaps one of the reasons why I have a grudging admiration for politicians in that uh, they're like pro football players. They have entered a very rough arena where the knocks come very fast and hard and they're not always your fault and uh... and anyone who's ever run for anything no understands i mean where, where there's where there's a real campaign going on if you run for the uh, president of your sewing circle and you're the only one that runs that ain't exactly running but uh... my name was placed in nomination against my will i, I didn't know about it uh... it was just placed in nomination and uh... What uh, what uh, what it led to uh, ultimately gave me a profound respect for guys who not only run but win. <laughs> That's something else again. And uh, and any time anybody gets up to the uh, gets up to the you know position of running for president, 
uh, on a major ticket and in a presidential year, this this is an achievement alone that uh, is almost unimaginable to the average walking around guy. So say what you will about this candidate or that candidate or this one or that one. The fact is he's achieved a fantastic thing. It really has. Especially in a, you know, here we've got a country of, what, uh, close to 300 million now or 250 million, something like that. Can you imagine being two out of 250 million people? Now, you're going to say that uh, large numbers of them don't want to be that. Well, I disagree. <laughs> I, I secretly, I, there, there isn't a man alive who to himself has not quietly said there's not a man under the firmament who breathes who has not at one point said, Oh, boy, just, I'd like ten minutes in that office just to run it the way it should be run. <laughs> oh, well. But uh, I, 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 uh, I have a. To me, politics is anything but boring. They're irritating, just like being out at a football game. You'd be irritated when you're, you know, you're a Jet fan and the, the score is 74 to nothing, and it's the New England Patriots that are beating the Jets. You may hate it, but that doesn't mean that it isn't exciting to be there, and quite natural to be there. So, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I am not bored by politics. If anyone. Uh, to, to answer that. And by the way, every year, every year, there's a presidential election. There's the inevitable letter or article that appears in the Times by somebody proclaiming why he's going to vote for this obscure candidate because the two top candidates are exactly alike. That's known as the traditional Tweedledee and Tweedledum letter, which has persisted throughout history. In other words, there's always a person that no matter if God himself ran, He'd say, you don't expect me to vote for that bum. Why? Look what he created. He created the storms, the earth, the world, and that, and everyone knows that's rotten. Who's where? We're going to blame. So, <laughs> politics goes on and on and on. Hi, Times. How you doing tonight? <laughs> You've been listening to Gene Shepard, humorist, author, and recipient of the Mark Twain Award for 1976.